This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... Let me cut you. Don't do it. <laughs> Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. We hate to say it, but we have some very bad news for you all this week. Unfortunately, we do. Yes, we tend to rant a lot about things on this show, but we can back up those rants usually. Usually. As we will in this instance as well. <laughs> what? As we will in this instance as okay. well. But before we get into it, let's hear from Nikki, our resident hero whose superpowers it is to eavesdrop on your conversations and share them in a little segment we like to call You Heard. you say superpower because this week's you heard involves a superhero oh which one i overheard this on the uptown a train between 135th and 145th well wolverine is adamantine so i don't know how that would work he likes dentine <laughs> no it's just a fancy word for saying unbreakable and they were talking about Wolverine's sex parts. They're unbreakable. Well, this is what these two teenage girls who were talking about Wolverine's adamantine parts were saying. They were talking about his junk. I'm very impressed that teenagers know what the word adamante means. You know, they probably picked it up from a comic book. I feel like that's a word that would be in a comic book. Really? Yeah, because... My adamant always... junk is going to be in a comic book. His, I feel like... It's an erotic comic novel. Because I feel like like comic book writers like they're a li- they're they're very like some of them can be very intellectual. So like because they don't have a lot of space to get their stories out because like you know like a comic book frame is only yay big. You know what I mean? So like I feel like they might have to use some fancy wordage to like. Make a kid want to go look it up. Where would that word even fit into a comic I know. Box? As I started saying that, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Because, like, that would be really small. Like, you'd have to, like, take the kerning down a bit. It's it's hard enough to fit the word arg in a Pow! box. <laughs> no, that was Zap. pretty easy. That was pretty easy. Zowie. Zowie's arg. Called... Arg is one of the longest, arg. I feel like. You know, what I've, you know what I've been saying a lot lately? What? Like, I've been working, like, through chat and stuff. I've been saying ack a lot, like, that comic book like that comic kathy please don't Ack. and do you want to know what i've been saying a lot do tell and that is this week's you heard 
like that should we should proceed this with and live <laughs> and it's wait what is it how does it go saturday night it's live live from harlem <laughs> it's barely alive right now but it is from harlem it's fine i'm just gonna drink my strawberry shake you are drinking a strawberry shake which is good right now but i'm waiting for about 10 minutes from now when all that snot starts dripping down the back of your throat from drinking all of that milk product oh you had to take it there you're gonna sound like all share alike Today, speaking of, today is Cher's 70th birthday. Good Lord. It is her 70. Can you picture, like, people are getting old, man. Like, everybody that, like. Are people saying happy Cryptkeeper Day to her? Cryptkeeper Day. Yeah. But you know what I learned about Cher today? Besides the fact that she might be a man. <laughs> besides that. Oh, well, what else is there? Besides the fact that the jury's out. Um. <laughs> She is the only artist to have had number one Billboard hits in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. She's the only one. The only artist who has had hits in every single decade since the 1960s. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. It is pretty interesting. To which I'm going to have to sing a song and I'm probably going to get in trouble for it, but half breed. I loved that song. Why in the hell? What? Well, why would you sing the song? And then why the hell would you pick that song? I just always loved that song of hers. Like, I just thought that it was such a great song. She's so beautiful in that, like, clip of, like, whatever show. Was it the Sonny and Cher show that she sang that on? Oh, maybe. Was it about this week's topic? Not in the least. <laughs> I was waiting to see. I'm like, where is the segue in this going? Tom, it all started with the fact that I have a strawberry shake in my hand. So uh, who knows what's going to happen? Obviously. We might be like deterring from like the bullet list. Tonight. Listen, listen, I have to tell you something. In my copy that I'm looking at right now, <laughs> as to like the outline of this week's show, we're supposed to be sad right now. Okay. I'm not talking about Cher and her... 600-year career, like back to the <laughs> Beethoven days. All right, back all when right, she all was, right. I'm back to sad. Back when she was balking the Casbah. Balking, balking the Casbah? Well, yeah, like Bach. But <laughs> like in the Sebastian Bach? No, no, like, what's his name? Who's Bach? Like a composer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, anyway, it was a very good joke. You totally missed it. I missed it. That's fine. Back to being sad. We're sad. I'm sad. Sad. Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be sad. Can I bang on the table? I prefer you didn't. It's going to be okay. so loud to our listeners. Okay. Insert bang sound here. All four of our listeners can go deaf at the same time if you bang the table like that. All right. We need to keep you guys. Sorry. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're just such a minuscule, minuscule little speck on the scope. Fuck that. We are not. <laughs> I know where you're going with this, and I'm getting mad again. <laughs> so... Allow me to get us back on point, if you don't mind. I am deeply saddened to say that this will be the first year over the last 10 that we will not be attending Comic-Con in New York City. And that's a bag of bullshit, if you ask me. Like a flaming bag of bullshit thrown right at our podcast door, which I hope doesn't look like a Hobbit door, but go on. It doesn't. <laughs> It looks like a metal door in Harlem as well. Like Double locked. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Although we have covered the event for various publications over the years and have received some great content from it, we were denied press passes this time around, and I have to say, I'm kind of pissed. 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty pissed about it myself. We're not a, a, a supersized podcast with just over 20,000 consistent listens per month. Mm-hmm. We're just two gals trying to make it in the big city of podcasts. But we have promoted some we have promoted some absolute crap from the con over the years and have built a relationship with the event organizers and now that they felt they're no longer needed <laughs> us they discontinued our relationship why are you so like why you have nothing to say about this it wasn't no big deal back when they were like going, oh, can you promote this movie that absolutely no one is going to see, but we made like a million posters for? Right. Yeah. And, you know, and then um, like so much of that anime stuff that like we personally didn't care about what we'd cover because, you know, like, you know, you go to these events and like you want to do like the really huge stuff. But like, you know, we got to do some really, really cool things. I talked to Mike Tyson, which was like so exciting. Yes. The guys from Robot Chicken. The guys from Robot Chicken, showrunners, the movie that came out about two years ago. Like, that was, like, really, really exciting to do. And then, like, of course, like, you have to take your lumps and, like, talk to, like, the endless cosplayers or cosplayers, however you pronounce it and stuff. But them, the... And, like, just going to it. Like, it's such... Like, because it's well, like, it's... It's run well, but then it's just also run just, like ridiculous like it is so hard to maneuver and that's what i hate about it it is regardless of what you say and every year it does get a little bit better last year was the best year i feel like out of a lot of them maybe Mm. maybe all of them last year might have been the best year as far as organization goes but there are so many flaws with it that even on its best year the organization of it is complete shit yeah which no is, like, surprising what. for, like, a huge, huge event like that. But I don't think ever from the beginning that they ever expected it to be as big as it was. I mean, I, I everybody knew that, you know, the San Diego Comic-Con was always a, a, a huge right. draw for, you know, the state. And for, like, a comic book fan, like, growing up, say, like, in Maryland or... Pennsylvania or, you know, upstate New York or New York even, like, going to San Diego to Comic-Con every single year. Like, that's not feasible. Like, that's just not. Especially with how much fucking tickets cost. And then, like, you'd have to travel and get a, a hotel and things like that. So, like, it's really cool that they have, like, an East Coast version for, like, people to go to. And then, like, I think, like, other ones have popped up, like, in other areas, too, because it is not, it's not feasible for a lot of people to be able to travel to a major city to go to something like this. Well, it's still ridiculous expensive. Oh, yeah. Well, I, the first, I would say, four years that I went to Comic-Con, it was just my son and I. Mm-hmm. We would, we were living in Pennsylvania. We would have to, like, drive down to New York. We would have to pay for parking for the week. We'd have to, well, I mean, you know, week. I mean, we'd go usually the weekend, yeah. on a Thursday, so we would have, like, a lot of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we would come back home. So we had rooms for, you know, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday yeah. night, and then come home Sunday. So there was that. There was the tickets. There was the food that you have to buy. Which is so expensive. Anything that you want to buy while you're at the con itself. Sure. By the time you're done, you're looking at, like, almost a $700 weekend. Yeah, a weekend. A weekend. Like, not even like a... a four-day week, like a, like a long weekend. But still, nonetheless, it's not like, hey, you know, I'm going to 
go to the Caribbean on a vacation. It's like, no, I'm going to go to a shitty New York City and uh, be on, like, the worst side of Convention Row and go and see Comic-Con. Right, yeah. A place that I personally, outside of getting content from it, I can't stand that many people in one place. Right, and I've never really, and like I've said before, like in, you know, past shows, like I've never really been like that big of like a comic book fan. But like I loved like, you know, when when I started going with you, it was like around the time that like Marvel was really like... Taken off. Yeah, like really blowing up. So it was like, and I love Captain America. So like we got to see them from afar and, you know, and like see the panel when they were doing the things. You couldn't like get to it because it was just like a complete madhouse. But like <laughs> I got to see like Chris Evans and that was like really exciting, you know, but. True. But my my point is I make that sacrifice because I do like the comic books. That's why I'm around the people. But. They made it very difficult the first couple of years. Then it started to get a little bit better. And then as far well, as... How did we... they make it difficult? Because I, I never went to like the early... The very first one, anybody who came, they basically let in. You bought a ticket, you came in, and nobody kept a headcount right. of anything. Um, <clears throat> it was on our second day there, so it was Saturday. And we were actually watching a panel that was being given by Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. And it was brilliant. And it actually led me to make my movie like like a full length feature movie because, right, because of you... advice from him that yeah. I, because after his whole little speech was over he was to run through the crowd out the back door and that's how he was going to exit <laughs> and he jumped off the stage he ran through the crowd everybody started coming out from the seating areas into the aisle and all of a sudden we all just stopped because we were locked in the room including Kevin Smith who I wound up being like right next to because of he got stuck right where we were leaving which just seems dangerous like that you got locked into a room well the reason for it was the fire marshal came in locked everything up and did a complete head count of every single person in the room because they were so far over the amount the illegal limit of people that could be in the building in the entire javits center in the entire javits center that they were getting fined by the person Damn. So they had to count every single person that was in the building and then be fined for it. That was our first experience with Comic-Con. Oh, my God. That's a clusterfuck. Like, that's a scary (laughs) kind of clusterfuck. Well, the next experience with Comic-Con was the following year when they had told us, they're like, look, we're still going to have, like, people here. And as the second year came around, it started getting better guests and stuff like that. Right. I remember we signed up for... I guess maybe five panels over the two days. Because Friday was a dead day. There wasn't really like a lot going on that we wanted to see. But Saturday and Sunday, we signed up for five panels total. And that was included in the price of your ticket? No. You had to wake up and be online at 6 o'clock in the morning on on Saturday, buy your ticket, and you had to pick like four. You could pick four different things. We wanted to go to five. Mm-hmm. You could pick four, and they'll give you two of your four. But you don't know what two you're gonna get. Oh my until god, you walk up that's to the horrible! Line. And then when you went, they gave you the wrong directions. So we went from wanting to go to five, getting tickets for two, and only making one because nobody knew where any of these things were happening. That was year number two. Oh my god! <laughs> so. You know, and, and I know every time we go there and we, like, you know, because here's, here's how it works, man. As far as, like, going in as a journalist, 
you know we cover a bunch of stuff we have zero interest in because we know at the end of the day there is stuff that we do have interest in and it's kind of like we'll rub your back you rub ours right, and, and that's, that's what you do at any type of event sure. absolutely yeah i don't know if the, if the regular person knows that it's not like you just sign up for like the best stuff and you get it and then everything's cool i'm and sure for it. some people it is but you know well, uh, super established people yeah. like you know if you go over the years and you're writing for some like big paper or something like that, yeah, sure. Like somebody from the Daily News can probably walk into anything by just showing their press credentials. <laughs> okay. But, you know, like us who haven't written for like the Daily News, we get into whatever we can get into for the most part. And in exchange, we do the best job we can possibly do, which is usually pretty goddamn good. And then. Indeed. And then we share those stories with organizers, and they then go and say yes or no based on our merit. Sure. And I feel like we've <laughs> established ourselves so much with this group over the years. Like I said, we've gone probably the last six years and covered the event, and then to be told this year, you're not going to be covering the event, it's kind of like, well, what happened between then and now? And your explanation as to, like, the reasons why our credentials were turned down were basically just a link to the page where we could buy tickets if we wanted to. Yeah, because they said that, like, they're trying to, like, get it to, like, a different demographic or something. Like, wasn't that it? Like, or they were trying to, like, with all, because, like, it's grown so much that they can only do, like, X amount of press and... Which is weird because we would go to, like, the different press sections... And they wouldn't be that big. No, like there, there'd be like for the Mike Tyson thing, there was like, you know, th there was maybe like fifteen outlets, and like there were people that like that just came from like, and we were doing it for a major publication, and there were people that had just like small podcasts themselves, and it was just like, yeah, I'm just a guy that like talks about comics, and it's like, so I mean, maybe they're just like cutting down on like because I, I remember when I was a music writer and I would go to events and I would be there with like in the pit with like photographers from like Rolling Stone and then there would be me who's there from like a publication that has like $120,000 or $120,000 circulation and then there was this kid that just like oh yeah like I just have this like little blog that like I write and like so I mean I understand that like maybe like it's not little things, but, like, we've got numbers, so it just, it pisses me off. We have numbers, and we have history. And what's weird is, is that some of our interviews that we have gotten for this show alone has been through Comic-Con emailing lists. Mm -hmm, through in-connections that we've made, like, working with them on other things. And our relationship continues with those people, so it's kind of like, man, not only have we done stuff with you, we have gotten stuff through you. And we continue those relationships, so how are you severing the relationships with us? And I just feel like the process is so convoluted. Like, every year it's something. Every year it is, like, one thing. Like where it's an like, extra this step. This is the absolute fucked up thing that can possibly happen. And they fix it the next year, and then it's some other, and then it's something else. Like, I have no doubt that we will be invited back to Comic-Con. Like I, like, I have no doubt. But I am so turned off by it right now that right, it's just yeah. like, going, I really don't even know if I'd want to at this point in time. Yeah, I just, and, like, especially, like, I know, um like, they're changing, like, the way that, like, you could register now. Yes. They're trying to do this registration thing where, I guess, two days before tickets go on sale, you have to fill out an online application. 
to verify who you are. And then once you're registered on that list, when you go to buy tickets, it will cross-reference your information and make sure that you are the person who are actually receiving the tickets. This way, scalpers can't just say, well, there's no name on it because they won't honor a ticket without a name on it from here on out. So in a way, it's good because they're going to find they're finding or at least attempting ways of stopping people from scalping the tickets because they are ridiculously expensive. Right. But but if you know, if but like, you know, it's kind of like how how musicians not mentioning Billy Joel's name, but like how (laughs) they like or even anybody like, okay, we're going to open this up to a pre-sale. And by the time, like, a normal human being can go buy tickets, like, they're gone. Yeah, there's nothing left. So it's like, if you're a real fan and, like, you don't have, like, the pre-sale code because you don't have a fucking Amex card. Because who has a fucking Amex card? Or it's Discover or Dinah's Club or something Like, something stupid. Thing. Yeah. It's like, not just a Visa or American yeah. Express. So it's like, you know, if, if you're just a normal person who's like, I really love comic books, I really love this band, but like, by the time like it's time for the normal people to buy them, it's already gone. And like, and that's bullshit. So like... So this is a good step. It's a good step, but like, it's not fixing the real problem of like, the real people. That they, what, can't afford it? Not just can't afford it, or that they might not be able to like, get them right away. But you might not be able to get them at all, because... Let's say a scalper used to be able to go online and buy, I don't know, 10 tickets at a clip. They'd be like, I'm buying 10 tickets. And they wouldn't have a given given name or anything. They just get these tickets in the mail. When they go to register, they get their barcode scanned. They give their name and stuff like that. They're given their badge. They go through, and that's it. What they're saying now is, if you're a scalper and you're going to buy 10 tickets... You have to upfront have names for each of those ten tickets. So they're treating it like you're planning a flight. When like you're one person buying a flight for like a family, and it's like you have to put down the names of all those. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So if I'm a scalper and I know like, all right, every year I know that these four people buy tickets from me. I'm gonna buy my ticket and I'm gonna buy these other four tickets and I'm gonna sell it to them. But that's not generally how the case goes. Never, yeah. never. Usually it's kind of like a StubHub situation where you buy the tickets, you put them on StubHub, whoever buys them, buys them. What do you care what their name is? At the end of the day, as long as you go and get paid for them, right? Who gives exactly. a shit? Exactly. But they're making it so that people don't try to buy these tickets with, you know, like don't you? Ha- name yeah, on like it. you have to actually go in there and like. Because it seems to me, like, just from, like, glancing at the, the recent press release about, like, how they're changing it, just from the overview that I got was you have to create a profile. Yes. And it's almost like a social networking type of thing for those that attend the event, I think, right? Like, doesn't that, like, it seems like it's almost like an app. Um, When I read the press release and saw that I had to register if I wanted to even purchase tickets. You have to register, you know, register first and then go online and purchase tickets because I guess you're going to code or whatever. I was like, number one... That's a turnoff. It's a turnoff. But if I was really, really willing to pay the $200 for the weekend or whatever it was, I would jump through that hoop. However, I've done you a favor for the last six years about writing about your shit products... Getting some good ones, getting some good ones, absolutely positively getting some good ones, but also writing about a lot of shit. So in those years of me doing that, and now you're like, hey, listen, 
not only are we not going to allow you to cover this, but we're going to make you jump through this hoop and then pay 200 bucks. Mm, I was like, fuck you. I'm not even pressing on that link. Right. And it's not like we would go there and like, you know, we're not complaining that like, oh, we're getting out of attending for free because like it's a lot of work to go and cover and like while you're working another like full time job on the outside. So like we would go and it's like it's not that we would like go and take advantage of things like we never like we just went in. We did our like panel interviews like with the press and then, like, we would go. Like, we never tried we to, like... We would take a bunch of pictures of people. Yeah, too. we would always talk to, like, people that are in attendance because the costumes are amazing, some of them. Like, it's crazy to... Like, it sucks when you get, like, you know, slapped with a tentacle as you're walking by and stuff. But, like... A what? A tentacle. Like, oh, some people, oh, like, dress oh, up okay. like... I thought all, you said like, something else. Cause yeah. I forgot because we wore on the way west side. So yeah. You, you don't know what. <laughs> you never know what happens over there. But, like, you know, and it's not like we were anybody who ever abused what like press quote unquote power that we ever had we'd come in we do our interviews we take our pictures of the people attending your event and then like promoting that and promoting how great it is for that type of community so it's like you know we never tried to like oh well, we're here and we're here two hours before like this big fan event comes let's get our asses in there like we never once did that and and the times that we did try to get autographs for people we didn't do it through the press thing. We never ever got an, an autograph from anybody or pictures with anybody like during like right, a never. press thing. But we have left the press thing and stood online usually at the very end because we were busy doing the press thing to try to get somebody's autograph after it was all said and done. Right, yeah, like we never we went we never went into it with the intentions of self of of like self-satisfaction. Like it was always for like the publications we were doing for like the betterment of the content that we provide to people. So like, uh, fuck you because I bet you there's a lot of people that are like, not like that who are just going in like, I'm going to use this press pass and I'm going to like get in for free and not do anything for it because you wait and see what they do. Well, that's what it is. And I feel like so many people do do that. And I'm all about like, look, like, once the work is done, especially on, on night one, because I feel like that's our usual setup. Our usual setup is to go in night one, try to get pictures of people that are, like, mulling about in costumes and stuff like that. We usually get, like, all of our best booth pictures on those nights. Right, because it's not so, so, so crazy because people are still traveling into the city and, like, settling Working. in. Working. Yeah. So we'll get, like, our photos and we'll, you know, because we have a little bit more room to move, more room to maneuver. We'll get that all taken away, and maybe we'll talk to some people that are setting up the booths as far as, like, what they're expecting and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then if we're going to buy anything, like, if there's something that's, like, going, oh, well, that's cool collectible, that's a cool magazine, whatever. That's usually the night we do it. The rest of the time, we're not even, like, going up and taking up because the space is so limited down those little alleyways. Yes, it's that, horrible. That we're not, like, going into those small areas and taking up space if we're walking through the convention on saturdays and sundays it's to take pictures of people in front of booths stuff like that out of the way but you see people in press passes just taking up space buying shit in front of other people right, it's yeah. like you could have came here friday night if you were with the press got all of that out of the way and let people who are spending all of this money right because it's expensive it is so expensive there's just a lot of ignorance going on. A lot of ignorance. Man, it's ridiculous. And I tell you, the other thing about the very first year of Comic-Con. Do tell. 
After it was over, Kevin Smith, after because like I said, we all got locked in together. They opened up the doors. They let us all out. And I guess like an hour or so later, they had went and said like, um, Kevin Smith's going to be doing a signing at like, you know, the View Askew booth. Hour and a half goes by. We're waiting online. We are waiting online for like two hours. Now, we were already locked in a room next to this guy <laughs> for almost 20 minutes. Which sounds horrible to me. Thank you. No, he's <laughs> awesome. He's so, so awesome. I love him. He's I fantastic. Know you do. I know you do. Even he, in the interviews he had done after that whole debacle went down, he was like, I will not return to New York, New York Comic Con again. And it's kind of like, this is your business. And luckily he did. Like, you know, it was just. Whatever. Yeah, we got a but, great picture of him, like, walking through the crowd as we were just, like, kind of, com- we were just milling about, like, it was, like, Friday, taking, right? We were yeah. taking off photos. Yeah, like, it was, like, the our. the crowd, and there was Kevin Smith hanging out in the middle. Like, <laughs> we were just, like, oh, right time, like, right place at the right time with the camera ready. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's crazy because, I mean, it's not frustrating to just us like i like it, it sounds like we're really bitching a lot tonight but it's it's frustrating to everybody the way it has been run up to this point in time so if you get somebody whose job is basically in this whole comic genre saying he doesn't want to be a part of it what makes you think that the press is going to continue to stick with you like you might get the major press but what or are specialized like nuanced press like but who says the specialized nuanced press is even getting in a lot of them because i feel like in a way we're kind of specialized we've done like a lot of things on like sci-fi and we have yes. comics and stuff like that and we do love our aliens and <sighs> superheroes aliens monsters mind ghosts, freaks mind freaks <laughs> <laughs> So oh. it just and it all seems like every year the process of how they handle their events change. Yeah, it gets much more convoluted like every year. Yeah, like and and it's weird. It's it's very very weird, but I mean the only other conference that I mean we've also been to, you know, the food show and stuff like that, which is pretty well organized. We mm-hmm, we don't have a problem organized. with that. But one of the things that I did like about Comic-Con in recent years, I think it was like last year, that instead of like going and then like it's very hard to like figure out like where one goes for press and then like you have to go through you know the front and then they're like oh you have to go over here and it's like so I'm already in the thing so like I could run rampant and then just be like I'm not gonna go get my press pass but like they make it like hard for you to get your passes so like last year and maybe the year before but I'm like I don't I know definitely last year they mailed the passes out in advance which was like really helpful because it cuts down on just like the bullshit trying to get in so that like the people who are there as fans can like get in faster because it is all about them like it's not for like the press is just an added thing like it's for fans of this right and our job is especially on like Friday night is to get the word out enough so that on Saturday and Sunday, when the majority of people can make it to the event, knows about it. Like, right. and we would we would go and take these goddamn pitches on Friday night and then work on them until whatever time we would finish on you know Friday morning in order to get them up so that Saturday morning when people went on and like put in like hashtag NYC Comic Con or NYCC whatever it was at the time. 
they would be able to see the pictures. Like it would come up. Right. Yeah. Like we would. Yeah. Like I mean, I don't think we're alone in doing that. You know, I think like a lot of people were doing that. So. Right. But but the point is, is like it wasn't like we were just going there on Friday night and just fucking around and then leave. Like we were trying to help you get business. Yeah. And it was like, you know, we're doing you a favor for Christ's sakes. Get over (laughs) yourself. God damn it. Right. Settle. Fucking break, man. (laughs) And then you can't find half the stuff. You ask people like, oh, you know where like this room is? No. (laughs) You're a security guard. If there was a fire, would you know where that room is? Probably not, because no. they would just be like, oh, we'll just lock people in this room <laughs> and hope for the best. We'll count heads later. <laughs> we'll just have our own red wedding. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. And I also feel like there has been many occasions where they would hand out, like, a calendar, like, way early on. And, yeah, things are going to change and stuff like that. But it's like, oh, here are all these special people. And then, like, as you get closer, it's like, Nope, those people aren't going to be here, but these even better people are going to be here. And then the day of the show, you're looking for these better people and you can't find them. I swear to you, it has been out of nine years, because I nine nine of these things I've got, not eight, eight of them, because I missed one. Okay. Eight of them. Every year, I look for Frank Miller, the guy who did Sin City. Yeah, I know. I know him. But I don't know if everybody else knows him. Okay. So if you don't, he's the guy who did Sin City. Every year looked for him. One time I found him, and it was at the end of him leaving because he's either at this booth or that booth. It, he, it would they had him all over the place, and nobody would be able to tell you where he was. Every yeah, year, yeah, like it's hard to figure out like where things are and like booth numbers, especially because like you can't see very well when you're like among the throngs and you've got like people in huge costumes and and stuff around you. Like you can't like oh go down two aisles and then turn left. Like there's no doing that because you're you're just like moving about like herds of cattle. Yeah. And it's so weird because they will start sending out information via email. Like months now, like we're getting months before time. I'm getting so much anime email already. Yeah, and where in spam a May, right? So, where <laughs> in uh, what May the thing isn't until October, and it's only going to get to be more and more as it gets along. And it's just so much information. And as you get closer to the event, you find out that those things that you were like all excited about months earlier aren't going to come through. Or you're not going to be able to find them because you're not going to be able to get through the crowd or this weird because you know or some bizarre registration process. Exactly, I was just going to say like because you know like this registration process is going to be a complete clusterfuck once you start going through the doors. Well, the first three years that I went to the event, I paid for it myself, and I was like, and and it was crazy, crazy expensive. And at the time, I was working for a TV station, and it got to the point where I was like. Can you guys do something to get me press passes to this thing? Like, I don't mind talking about it and filling you all in on it and bringing you back pictures from it or whatever else you need. But, man, it's it's costing, like, a ton of money for what I was getting paid up there in Pennsylvania at the time. So to come now and then be told, like, all right, we can cover this. This is great. It's still expensive. Just because you paid for my $200 tickets, I still got to pay for food. I still got to pay for gas. Well, so does everybody else. else, though. But my point is, is <laughs> that it was costing me more than what it was worth. Right, okay. To do it, you know? <laughs> you know. 
And then I would get there and I'd be like going, oh, I want to sign up for, you know, whatever. Like, luckily, we got the first year to see Mila Jokovic. I think the second year we went to sign up to see her again. And it was like, oh, <laughs> oh that's already signed up and sold out. And it's kind of like, but sign up starts at 10 o'clock. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Like, we're online to come up to pay for this. It doesn't even, the line don't even open for another hour. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We decided to release tickets last night. How the hell can you just decide to release tickets right, last when night? Everybody's prepared to to be here for ten o'clock yeah. in the morning, and it was a t- shit ton of people waiting online. Okay. All right. Just saying. Jesus, you sound like I'm angry about it, you man. Because I, I can't tell. believe it. I feel like I give so much to this thing. This is. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. Do you have a best Comic-Con story? Mike Tyson, definitely. Why? Because he didn't know how to pronounce half the words he was saying? Because <laughs> I got to hear him say, Chupacama. I got to make him laugh. Cause <laughs> Wait, the Chupacama was the best. Chupacama was the best. Like This was from like the first season of Mike Tyson's Mysteries. And... Um, we were interviewing him because like the show was about to premiere like a couple weeks after Comic-Con and he was like because I love Chupacabra like it's one of my favorite animals whether you think they're mythological or not I know I've seen footprints of Chupacamas on Long Island Sound but I love like I'm just fascinated by like because there was this period like a couple years ago where it was like these weird black creatures were like washing up on the shore or like eating cattle in texas like so it was like really funny to me that like one like the first episode he's going like hunting this like chupacabra and he's like trying to mispronounce it and stuff so we're all sitting at the table and like we're talking to him and i was like i have to ask like you know would you fight like a chupacabra or something like that you said you said no you said who would win in a fight between you and a chupacabra no i said no 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 it was because he (laughs) said you know it's the only thing left that i would have to like fight because like he's been like you know the heavyweight champion and shit and he was like i said so what's it like you know a chupacabra is like the only thing he was like i couldn't even pronounce it and like in that like lisp he has and it was just like so cute and then he said he said chuba he goes i kept saying a chupacabra (laughs) <laughs> or something like that and it was hysterical it was just so funny because he like said it like four different times like during the episode because we got to see it like a pre-screener and it was just like oh my god this is like the craziest thing it's so funny because now i know what i have to do i'm gonna use my fist to beat the out of chippa the only thing i've never beaten the out of yet so like it was just like that was just great and like we got to just sit there and he, then he told you you look like tim allen <laughs> yeah he was like he goes you know who you look like? And I'm like, Mike Tyson's going to beat my ass right now. And I'm like, I hope it's somebody you like. <laughs> and he goes, you look like that guy, that funny guy, Tim Allen. But first he was like, you know that guy. And we're just like, no, don't, we don't. don't. And I was like so nervous because I was like, he's going to snap. <laughs> you look like Larry Holmes. I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> but he's like, you look like Tim Allen. He goes, I like that guy. And I was just like, <laughs> what the heck? I'm like, oh, thank you very much. And then I like walked away. I was like, did you think he was going to punch me too? <laughs> <laughs> Because it was like, because like just a couple weeks before that, like he totally went off on like this Canadian reporter, I think, and just was like, oh my you pe- God. And he like called him like so a piece of shit or something. It like, was so uncomfortable. Because the guy just kept bringing up like other shit from the past and it was just like, dude, come on. I think it was the rape allegations that was against him like years and years ago. And right. he brought that he it up. he was cleared that, from. And, right. 
and he and you could tell the newscaster was just like trying to press his buttons to see like if he can get him to say something that would like make him look dumb or whatever and he got under Tyson's skin and Tyson just instead of just freaking out like you would think he would yeah. he was just like you're a piece of shit and then he just every time the guy would say something he goes i don't like you and you're a piece of shit so interesting because you come across like a nice guy but you're really a piece of shit hey with that come comment. on come on that's... Nah, that was a piece of fuck you that was a piece of shit you know we're, we're doing we're doing live tv hey, i don't care what are you gonna do about it right. and he like, would just, it just he would so say funny. it yeah it was, and it was like, like oh man like i feel like this guy should just be like all right well the interview's over and just like slowly creep away because he like Tyson will pounce on and, you and like the screen would just like slowly go black but like you know how like they would do it in like a circle like a little circle thing and it would and just it, go and just before it closes Porky Pig jumps out and it's like bleh, 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 that's all folks <laughs> My favorite Comic Con moment. Yes, Tom. What is your favorite Comic Con moment? My Mario Lopez. My Mario Lopez moment. Yes, my Mario Lopez moment um, was definitely meeting Kevin Smith, without a doubt. Like I know, I know you are not the biggest Kevin Smith fan because just one of his movies that just terrifies you. It's disgusting. It was before that, but that movie really, really terrified me. But it was even like. Going back to the days of like chasing Amy and Dogma, and don't get me wrong, like I am in love with Mallrats. I loved Clerks, but not Clerks Two because Clerks Two was retarded. I thought Clerks Two was funnier than well, Clerks One. That shows how much you know. Whatever. But like, and I thought like Red State was like a really well done movie, Amazing. which is like little talked about. So like, it's I just like his other movies were just like oh. But he did have, like, a lot of really good movies. And, like, I like how he, like, I like his persona. Like, I don't know. He just, he seems like a cool guy, but it's just like he's not my cup of tea. (laughs) When he does his lectures, it's almost like he's doing a comedy routine slash lecture. It is brilliant. It it's so well done. It is. Like, I, I will give you that. Because how many times have you seen, like, somebody give, like, a lecture and it's like going, oh, well, that's interesting information, but you're as boring as fuck. I don't want to listen. I just want to close my eyes for a minute and just doze off. With him, there wasn't even a second of that. Because every time you would be, like, going, ah, oh, this story's running a little bit long, he would throw something in that would be like hysterical and you'd be like, now it's a comedy routine and I'm totally back into it. And then he would like relay some kind of like more knowledge. He'd be dropping knowledge on you. <laughs> Life's lessons. And you'd be like going, man, yeah, I get it. I relate to it. And then you'd almost start to phase out and right back into the comedy aspect of it. So, I mean, it was, it, it's done so, so well. And the thing that I liked the best was is after it was over, and I was stuck next to him, as I had mentioned, in the doorway, I had this weird idea for a movie for, Jesus, man, like years. Mm -hmm. Like years I had this idea. And now I got Kevin Smith stuck next to me, and I was like, Jesus, I can ask this guy anything that I want. And I was like, what's it going to be? So I look at him, and I'm like, hey, Kevin Smith. What's it going to be, boy? Yes or no. Well, I told you what it's not going to be. He looked at me and he goes and says, 
if you're going to ask me to invest in your movie, the answer is going to be no. <laughs> and I was like, no, I wasn't going to ask you to do anything. I was like, well, it's kind of like about a movie. I'm like, but it's more along the lines of, I have this idea. I have no idea what to do with it. Should I go to film school? Should I like just try to like write a script and then try to like get it you know, picked up by somebody? And his advice was, if you're going to spend money on film school, just spend that money on cameras and make your movie because at least it'll be up to you whether or not it will get made. And then right after that, the doors opened up. Kevin Smith like gets whisked away. But that night, I went home and I started writing a script and I wrote for 28 hours straight. And at the end of 28 hours, I had an entire full-length feature done. And within two months after that, I had you know, a location and was shooting in the basement. <laughs> of of some building like filled with like spider webs and white spiders because it's been sealed up for so long. Gross. But it I would have never have done that without running into somebody and like that. And just having like a chance like two second encounter with him that just inspired yeah. you enough to change like your life a little bit. Yeah, because it was like just tell me something real, not some bullshit thing. Right. Like if you would have just been like, hey man, follow your dream. They'll be like, that's not the answer to the question. The answer is, should I go to school for it? Right, no. Should I yeah. <laughs> and that's a valuable lesson because, like, I'm sure that, like, there's a lot of people that, like, are great directors who go on instinct. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say, like, oh, my gosh, I'm sure. But there's got to be, like, some Oscar winners that have been like, hey, man, I never went to some bullshit school where, like, I just do things on instinct. Like, I think that'd be very interesting to, like, look into because there's – and like we were just talking about this about things like like tools of the trade and it's like oh you can go and you could learn how to use this system and you could learn how to use this shortcut but like at the end of the day you can use these new technologies and these new new things that pick up on things that people are learning and talking about and things like that but like at the end of the day you still have to know how to do something and there still has to be like that instinct and curiosity about like whether it's writing an article or you know being a journalist or something like there's a certain aspect that you can't teach in a school yeah and and it i feel like it also takes somebody to be bold enough to be like look you're gonna fuck up doesn't matter if you fuck up in a school or you fuck up in your backyard if you're filming something but at the end of the day, what do you want to put your money towards? Equipment where you can fuck up over and over again until you get it right? Or you want to put your money into a school that at the end of it, you may have run out of time and, and never money. acquired the skills that you right, needed yeah. to get where you needed to go. Where if you have a camera, you just keep doing it. Eventually, something's going to click. And you're going to know when that happens. And it's the same thing with school. I mean, if you go to school for anything creative, it's not like somebody can teach you to be your own voice right so they could say like here's a format here's here's how you would you know here's how you would format a story here's how you would do lighting for certain situations but at the end of the day if you went by what they said every fucking movie in the world would look the same right exactly and i mean like and even you know we've talked about like okay like last week we talked about like education and stuff and it's like okay great like you have these prestigious schools or you go to this like film school and stuff like that but like at the end of the day it comes to the work because a classroom setting is only going to go so far where life like you could teach me all the things i need to know about lighting a movie but until i get outside 
and have to deal with something that you can't control. Clouds. Yeah, like just the, <laughs> like, the world. Just ridiculous yeah. shit, man. Like, you know, like you can only, t- like schooling can only go so far where before like the experience of doing it has to come into effect because like there has to be a certain experience. Right. But I would say I wish I did take a little bit of school first because I wish I knew how to work the cameras a little better <laughs> as opposed to just buying them being like, whoa, there's a lot of buttons on this thing. <laughs> And muddle through, sure, but at the end of the day, it's like now, after using it for so long, it's like, man, that was a really ambitious first project. I would love a chance to just redo it from scratch. Sure, and that's the thing that, like, I always like to ask people, um, you know, like, when I'm interviewing somebody, whether it's a musician or any filmmaker or anything that I've ever talked about, you know, when, because you're talking to people at so many various different public, like, different states of, you know, stages of their career. So it's like, hey, okay, whether I talk to somebody from, like, between their first and second movie, you know, like, what did you learn? And, like, there's always such a varied response to, like, okay, you've made 50 movies. What's been the difference of number 51? Or this is your second movie. What did you, like, what what mistakes did you make on the first that you were, like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. You know, like, and everybody has an ex- has a story like that. True. And you do learn a lot from one project to the next. I mean, there's just, there's no doubt about it. But it also makes you want to do the next project. Because sure. you realize, like, if I would have just done this one thing different. And then you wind up thinking of an idea for what you could use that for. And that's somehow you build that's the a beginning and an end to it. Yeah. And then you're like, going, well, I'm going to just build around this one yeah. thing and that's it yeah so think about all those stories that we're not going to be able to tell this year in new york comic con and i hope you could sleep tonight yeah, they'll they'll gonna have no problem sleeping while they <laughs> sip on their fine champagnes because <laughs> of all that ticket dough rolling in <laughs> it's fine they'll be like just having a little caviar in their teeth picking it out with a toothpick and going right to sleep not worrying about a thing Ew. well what do you want from me man is that like what the height of fanciness is for you? I don't. You just just eating like uh, escargot? Not not strawberry shakes from the local <laughs> deli. This is a goddamn good strawberry it's shake. It's a really man. good strawberry <laughs> shake. It really is. It tastes like strawberry quick. I feel like a little kid. All right, you could do that. And with all the superhero talk, you know, like Comic Con, like I see it as like a definite, you know, it's my super, correlation. It's, it's my superpower. <laughs> A strawberry shake drink, like drinking a strawberry shake is Nikki's superpower. Yes. At the <laughs> speed of light. <laughs> How about we get into a did you know? I'd love it. All right. Did you know? All right. This is a little bit of a long did you notice know, Oh, God. So Here's part one. <laughs> let's see how the reading goes on this one. <laughs> So, without further ado, this is Did You Know? Take One. Did you know last year's <laughs> New York Comic Con, hosted by Reed Pop, confirmed that attendance of the show topped 167,000 people for the four-day event? That's crazy. That's a lot of goddamn people. That's a people. lot of people. That figure topped 2014's announced attendance of more than 150,000 fans, most of whom did not get to attend special events or panels, leaving them to roam around aimlessly like the Walking Dead promotions that decorated their passes to the events. Ooh. Oh, snap! Sick burn. Reed Pop 
attributes the increase to the expansion of the convention to off-site locations, principally the Hammerstein Ballroom, a 12, what is it, 12,000 square foot facility on West 34th Street nearby the Javits Center that hosted programs on Friday and Saturday. Okay. Leading yeah. up to the show. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure you're I've with never, me. Still. I've never been there for like one of their pre-show things. Most of the stuff we do is like actually at the center yes, itself. Yes, Tom. Yes. Hmm, yes. Hmm. The figures did not include attendance at various Super Week events around the city held in conjunction with the show, which did not require a New York City Comic Con badge or admission. Some of which we had the opportunity to attend and were far more organized than the chaotic floor of the Javits Center. Yes. Because we interviewed quickly. I mean, it was more of a, just like a quick meet and greet type thing, but we got to like talk to people. And I still actually communicate with people on Twitter that are like huge Ron Perlman fans. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was a very awesome experience, but it's not something that Comic-Con did. It's something that the Barnes & Noble bookstore did during Super Week. Right. In an extra confusing twist, is this what I'm doing? Yes. I just wanted to make sure I didn't lose. I told you it was very long. Oh, my God. It feels very long. so many words. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. (laughs) Oh, my God. It goes on forever like this. What the hell? Where's the chupacama? (laughs) It's the chupacabra. In an extra confusing twist, the... Exhibitor announced fan verification, a plan it will put into effect this year to help prevent scalpers from purchasing tickets. However, it will require fans wanting to attend New York Comic Con to take an extra step before buying tickets. If you want to get tickets, you'll need to fill out a fan verification form to be eligible to purchase them when they go on sale. According to Read Pop, You'll only be able to buy tickets online after filling out the registration form, and no retail outlets will be selling tickets. Which is just great news for the comic book stores, who are now being cut out of the cons ticketing processes. Sing. Well, you know, years past, you used to be able to go into, like, Forbidden Planet and buy Comic-Con tickets. But nobody just walked in and said, hey, I need, like, a Comic-Con ticket and walked out. Once they were in the store, they would look around. Sure, yeah. And buy something. And now, basically, you're taking business out of their hands with this process. So, although it may be good in keeping, you know, tickets out of the hands of scalpers, you're also hurting the small businesses that fuel your entire convention. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, this year, admits admit our constant tinkering we still wish you luck on a successful event but from some of the people who helped to get you to this point over the years we cannot be surprised by your continued flaws and that is this week's did you know did you know all right the one thing we have going for us is that we live in this city the greatest city in, in the, the world. In the world. You know it's true. And luckily, we do have the ability to, like, interview a lot of people as they pass through. Because it's not just Comic-Con that we get our things from. We no, interview other not. things. Yeah, so we'll keep on keeping on. That's it. You can't break us, NYCC. You cannot. And, you know, I keep saying, 
our show does continue to get stronger and stronger with each passing week. We do. Yeah, it does. And we really appreciate that. Like, you're sticking with us as we're, like, you know, discovering our podcasting abilities. I feel like we're in our adolescent years. Yeah. At week number 34, is it? This is 34, yes. 34. I feel like this is, like, the point where we're just, like, being, like, bratty little teenagers right now. We are. We're very, like, we're just complainers right now. But it's for good reason. And, you know, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Well, that's it. Eventually, we hope to get back to NYC Comic Con. But until that day comes, go fuck yourselves. At least for this year. At least for this year. And uh, thanks for looking at that uh, application, douchebags. <laughs> so anyway, that's this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. You... Please, you go first. You just uh, try to gonna... jump right in. I did, because I feel like you've been talking a really long time. My throat actually hurts. It should. You have not shut up. I don't know if it's from drinking so much strawberry shake. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Or just being on such a rant. It, it, it's probably the rant. It's very annoying. It is, yes. This is a horrible way to wake up in the morning to see something like this. Oh my god, that face as you were drinking your strawberry <laughs> shake. You drank it like like Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction when he takes a sip of the big kahuna burger soda. May I have a sip of your tasty beverage? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, please be sure to check us out on all social media at High Regard Show. And you can find us online at highregardshow.com. And you can always write to us at highregardshow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Have a good night, everybody. Dooby-dooby-doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby-dooby-doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby-doo, I see you. Pretending you got a sliver. You're not fooling me. Why is Carmel McCarthy a reclusive author? Did his face burn off in a fire and he has a metal face and everyone's scared of his face?